When the Freemasons tried to recruit him, he told them to go to hell, and they did. When he arrives for the matinee, they roll up the red carpet so no one else can walk on it. When he shows up for a Black Lives Matter riot, the rioters run for their lives right into the paddy wagons. When the libtards graduate from college, he sends them back to kindergarten to learn their ABCs. The sun refuses to rise until he wipes the sleep from his eyes. Who is this man who defies political correctness and spits in the eyes of Rothschild and Rockefeller alike? He is Pastor Eli James, the most rational man in the world. Oh, and a connoisseur of fine wines, beers and conspiracy theories. I don't always drink the nectar of the gods, but when I do, it's right here on Eurofolk Radio, eurofolkradio.com. Stay white, my friend. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Voice of Christian Israel here on Eurofolk Radio. Today is May 26, 2019, and uh, Pastor Martins and I will continue our series. This is going to probably be a very long series on this article in hoflandia.wordpress.com entitled, The Jews' Plan is to Exterminate the White People. What don't you get? (laughs) No, actually, it's a different article, but this uh, website, Hofflandia, is loaded with wonderful articles. And uh, we've been uh, talking about how the Jews uh, took over and made war against the Boer people. So how are you doing today, Pastor Martins? Good evening, Pastor Eli, and also good evening to all the people across the globe listening to this show tonight um uh in particular i want to say thank you to matthew stefala uh one of our frequent listeners and who sent me a skype message to tell me that he enjoys our show very much um and then also to uh, a number of people that i will that i know that will be listening tonight also my own brother in freight in natal that is about a uh, thousand kilometers from where I am at oh the moment. And mm-hmm. I, I spoke with him earlier this evening and uh, he said to me, he would definitely be listening tonight if they have network. Okay. Uh, also to other uh, frequent listeners, I think there is uh, um, uh, quite a number. There are quite a number of Boers listening to the show this evening. And uh, I wish to also bite them good evening. Thank you, Pastor. It's uh, wonderful to be on the show with you again. Yes. Okay. So uh, when um, we dropped the subject last time, uh, we had just uh, completed like the very first paragraph of this article, The Boer War, How the Jews Seized South Africa. But I just want to point out the, the number of tremendous articles, at least the titles are tremendous, <laughs> that are available yeah, on this website. Okay, so, uh, for example, the Jews and communism, Jew communism is a religion, Kristallnacht, or in English, the night of broken glass is a Jew fraud, the origins of Holocaustianity, the Khazars joined the Democratic Party, uh, probably in 33, uh, 1933 is the number here, and so, I mean, this stuff is right at home here at Eurofolk Radio, so uh, we need to uh, contact uh, Mr. Hoff. That's the name he goes by. And, uh, you know, see, uh, it sounds so if he's uh, capable of doing broadcasting, he, he would fit right in. He would fit right yes, in absolutely. To, your, to your folk radio. And uh, especially uh, someone who sympathizes with the Boer people. And there's uh, all kinds of monthly presentations on the right-hand column, uh, I guess the various issues, uh, publications he does. 
So last time we talked about the, uh, he, he suggested that pr- uh, Protestant Calvinism was the religion practiced by the Boer people, and we, we said, no, that's not the case. Uh, they practice Old Testament Israel identity religion, where there's a big difference between the two, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, that, that pretty much ended the first paragraph. So let me pick it up with the second paragraph here, and people in the chat room can follow along, because I put the link there. With the annexation of the Cape of Good Hope by the British, which was to take over the Cape as a halfway station for the British East India Company, of course, up until this point, it was the Dutch East India Company, and you explained yeah. last week how, as a result of, uh, I guess it was in World War I, um, the uh, or maybe earlier, the transition from the Dutch East India Company to the British East India Company took place. Okay, was yes, that yes. A- a- 1892? Was it? Uh, maybe you could just uh, bring Pastor, us. Go ahead. Pastor, uh, yes, there was a transfer of ownership uh, already in in 18. Uh, sorry, in, in 1796. Okay. The transfer of ownership, but it went back to Ireland uh, by virtue of a treaty or an agreement, and then in 1812. Uh, that was ah. again reversed, and um, Holland was indebted to Britain on the basis of something, and they then negotiated for the uh, whole of the Cape Colony, uh-huh. uh, okay. which was which wasn't quite a Dutch colony. It was a colony that was set up and uh, managed and administrated by the VOC, the Dutch East Indian Company, or the... Yeah, Jews, uh, the Jews who owned it. But yeah. the West Indies Company, which of course was run by the <clears throat> the Lord 17, which were a group of 17 Jews. Okay, so the, this transition of power took place during our uh, War of 1812 against the Rothschilds, yes. and during the, the Napoleonic Wars on the continent, in which the Rothschilds were involved in financing the... Uh, participants even financing uh, napoleon <laughs> they were financing all sides exactly. okay so so this is the era in which the transition took place from the dutch east india company to the british east india company that's probably a story in itself okay but let's continue mm-hmm. here it should be noted here that while the British East India Company was ostensibly a normal trading company dealing in spices and tea in the Far East, it was, in fact, along with the Dutch East India Company, the vehicle by which the profits from the opium trade in China were moved to England and, to a lesser extent, to Holland. And here, I love, before I ask you to comment here, it is also true that here in America, certain elements of Yale University, uh, secret society there, were also involved and provided ships, American ships, for the opium trade. And they became involved in the Rothschilds in the opium trade here in America. And this is how America began to be corrupted by the Rothschilds. Back to you for your comment at this yes, point. Boston. Yes, one might also add that uh, they trade with the uh, Far East was definitely the main trade or the main uh, merchandise was, in fact, the opium trade. Mm-hmm. Now, one can also add to that that the, they, uh, prior to the establishment of the and utilization of the ports in Holland, they did ply the seas from the uh, Spanish ports and the Portuguese port, ports, like I mentioned in the previous show, and of course, when uh, the uh, Portuguese, uh, when, when when the Spanish fell at war with France, they were busy selling the the of course being Edomite Caesarians, they were selling uh, the um, uh, all the intelligence secrets of the Spanish fleet mm-hmm. to the French. Wow. So they fell in discord with the Spanish. They were banished from the uh, Spanish ports, as, as also the Portuguese ports, and they went and settled themselves in Holland. Mm-hmm. Now, w- while they were also, now we've spoken about this before, that the um, Dutch East Indian Company also had another branch, which was called the Dutch West India Company. Yeah, which went and to the America. Dutch, <laughs> the, right. Dutch, the Dutch West Indies Company uh, plied the seas, and their main trade was 
tobacco from the Mayan. Um, mm-hmm. uh, from the Americas. The, yeah. In the South Americas, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, of course, uh, and that is also where the name cigarettes came, came from because the Mayans associated the use of tobacco with the Mayan uh, temples. Mm. And uh, Ziggurat, the ziggurats, yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. That's where the cigarette, cigarette uh, comes from. Uh-huh. Of course, it was popularized. <laughs> Right. Yes, it was popularized by the Dutch East with the Dutch West Indian Company, who, who brought the 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 uh, tobacco from the South Americas into Europe, and of course from Europe it also just spread across the rest of right. um, the the the, uh, the then known um, all the continents, etc. Right. Uh, so so well, they controlled the, all the narcotic uh, uh, habit forming. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. The, Plus alcohol, alcohol in uh, America yeah. too. The Jews, Seagram's uh, empire yeah. was, uh, it's Jewish, it still is Jewish, right? It was the Jews now, who provide fire water to the Indians. Back to you. Now, um, in South Africa, it's the Cape Dutch Afrikaners to this day that control the, the major portion of cigarettes, the sale of cigarettes is in the hands of uh, super Afrikaners. And also so, the trade in um, distilled uh, uh, spirits, mm-hmm. as well as, and, and of course, being descendants of the Cape Dutch, uh, and the um, uh, uh, after the Dutch East Indian Company uh, abandoned uh, the Cape Colony, uh, of course, everybody who worked for the Dutch East Indian Company was sold to the British, as part and parcel to the sale of the or the sale, uh, mm-hmm. the trading of the Cape Colony, right. so they came stranded. They didn't come here to settle in 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 the Cape at all, but they became basically stranded because the Dutch East Indian Company, having become bankrupt, uh, then transferred the ownership and of course all responsibilities for the the the, the uh, transfer of or the transfer okay. of these. These colonists back to the uh, they right. left. Okay. Now, in your opinion, Pastor Martins, was this transition planned? I mean, uh, were the Dutch Jewish bankers understanding now that the uh, British, the British Bank of England, would now become the master of world finance? Uh, do you think the the Dutch East India Ho- Hollander Jews? were, you know, informed of this and uh, had become, because they, they were also investor, investors in the Bank of England. Okay. Exactly. Go ahead. I, I think, Pastor, personally, I think uh, looking at the facts that I have available and that I've managed to work my way through, it seemed as if w- at least one of these um, uh, juicers in the uh, Dutch East Indian Company was of British uh, descent. Okay. Now we know that that Britain at the time was already uh, to a very large degree uh, infiltrated, or let's say uh, we have an excellent Afrikaans word, dear speck. In other words, it was already uh, 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 flooded by right. these Kazarian Jews. Right. Mm-hmm. Of, of course, with with uh, uh, the Rothschilds being part of it uh, uh, already, the Bank of right. England having been taken over by uh, Nathan the Rothschilds, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan Rothschild, Nathan Rothschild. Yes. Mm-hmm. correct. Yeah, he he bankrupted the British government during the War of eighteen twelve, right after the Battle of Waterloo, by pretending that Wellington had lost the battle. He he began selling off his stock of British consuls, which is kind of like U.S. savings bonds. This created a panic. Everybody, everybody who owned consoles sold them off, and then when the military, he yeah, he bought them. He bought them all up. Yes, he drove the yes. price down to zero, bought them all up, and then when the military rider came to the uh, stock exchange to announce that Wellington had won, everybody realized that Rothschild had played them for fools. Yeah. Okay, insider training par excellence okay so this this episode 1812 very very important in human history world history also something something when we discussed the jamison invasion 
you can recall we spoke about all the yes. the historical aspects about the, the uh, um, well, one of the, the aspects that we did not even cover was with the Jamison invasion. They did exactly the same thing because the stock exchange, the South African stock exchange or the Boer Republic stock exchange uh, trading with gold shares was uh-huh. uh, in Barberton at the time. Okay. And the stocks fell. And of course, the Jews bought them up for next to nothing because mm-hmm. of the Jamison invasion. Wow. <laughs> wow. It happened here so in America in 2008 also. <laughs> and, and in oh. 1929 and other times in our history. Yes. Back to and you. And I think it's scheduled again for 2020. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You, 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 you see, um, my personal feeling is that they've got to pull that or try and put, pull the mat from underneath Trump. That's mm-hmm. my feeling. Right, um, right. Because Trump has proved um, the, these people to be incorrect, the, the Democrats. Yeah, he's a... With sh- the emphasis. Yeah. Yeah, uh, tr- Trump has become a really shadowy figure. Uh, hard to w- tell which w- which way the wind is going to uh, blow for him or against him. And, uh, you know, he has not uh, arrested a single major operator from the swamp. He's had plenty of time I, to do so, and he hasn't. Okay. He hasn't. So we're very uh, disappointed. What, mm-hmm. what what has happened in the meantime, Pastor, is that he has um, positioned or repositioned Israel into a very important um, uh, influence in the United States. Um, in in other words, uh, I mean, he's made an uh, open declarations about uh, the establishment of Jerusalem or the reestablishment right. of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, etc. All things which of course, plays totally into the hands of these Rothschilds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that sets the the uh, precedent for the, um, uh, the 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 Israelis to to uh, now kill off even children in the uh, yeah. uh, uh, Syria, etc., mm-hmm. and the uh, Palestinian uprising yes. uh, created by the fact that that they have now been basically robbed, uh, technically robbed of. Uh, large portions of what mm-hmm. is traditionally their land. Right. Uh, and that is now being recognized right. as a, a child land. But in true Jewish fashion, the Jameson raid was a uh, false flag. It was a raid exactly. created by Jameson using British operatives intended to blame, blame it on the Boer people. Okay, yes. and that's what happened. The uh, the Boer but, but, people temporarily had to, uh, the world assumed it was the Boers that had do, done this raid, and this would give the British Empire justification for intervention in the Boer lands. Okay? Yes. Just, just as in, 9-11 was used for intervention in Iraq. Back to you. Well, Pastor, um, Onse Jan Hofmeyer, that scandal that we've already identified as um, a friend of Molnar's uh, and Molnar um, uh, calling him the mole for his extremely (laughs) successful way in which he could subvert Mm -hmm. the Boer activities and even uh, win the Boers over to join the Afrikaner bond and the Afrikaner bond being the particular vehicle way with which uh, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners uh, blasphemed against the Boers all, mm-hmm. all the way along. Um, I've seen, for example, archive uh, articles yes. uh, from from even before the um, 1880 First Anglo-Boer War as to how they uh, uh, they propagated lies in order to to create the yeah. the the. Uh, 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 Hatred of the Boer people. Hatred of the Boer people the, the, by the world. The yeah. people and the hatred of those people yeah. against the Boer yeah. people. Absolutely. Now, now the and Jews have, have uh, finally tuned this. Uh, they're now promoting hatred of white people all over the world to promote their universalist yes. religion and a globalist business. That's what they're doing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. So this and was course, a trial run on the Boer people, and it worked very well, so now they're doing it globally. Uh, the other thing is, Pastor, is that they... Um, they, 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 they only they know that their only uh, uh, hindrance towards achieving that which they wanted to achieve, as uh, because the 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 Europeans or the um, 
descendants of the house of Jacob uh, are are um, in in well they doers where the the Kazarians the Edomites are not doers they are actually swindlers and they uh, are uh, subversive in their at the way in which they act etc. Uh, they can only uh, uh, duplicate what is already done. Mm-hmm. This we see over and over again now. Uh, they they swindle people out of their patents and 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 we've seen it in South Africa where uh, people have, uh, for example, applied for patent rights only to find that somebody else has already uh, uh, is 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 already has already successfully patented something, which uh, was a copy of the original. Um, uh, and, and in South Africa, it has become illegal to, to for example, distill uh, uh, waste in order to um, uh, produce petroleum for the uh-huh. for the driving of cars. Uh, for many years, uh, sugarcane had been used as it was distilled in Durban, and uh, that produced the methanol with which cars. Uh, you could fill up your car with union petrol, and that was, I think, uh, something like 105 octanes. And every third or fourth time you fill up your car's tank, uh, you fill it up with methanol, which runs and, and burns much cleaner than... than uh, uh, mm-hmm. um, but uh, that's been stopped in South Africa. It's, apparently, it's no longer legal to do that. Yet... Uh, uh, cabinet ministers are pointing it all the way in terms of this buying and selling of oil, crude oil. Mm-hmm. It's become a, an absolute farce. Not yes. only, but that's the way the Jews operate, Pastor. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's uh, back to the article here. And uh, he says that uh, people don't understand that uh, it is a fact which is overlooked by most historians, that the profits from the Chinese opium trade made possible the active promotion of hostilities against the Boers. Okay. Okay, something I was not aware of. In fact, the tone for action against the Boers was set by the Treaty of Nanking, signed in 1842, which brought the British a vast fortune, as well as the port of Hong Kong, which is to this day is the hub of dope distribution by the Chinese and the British, even though they gave it up in 1900, I mean uh, 2000 or 1999. 2000, yeah. Lord Palmerston, who was a Freemason and uh, very close to the Rothschilds, openly admitted Britain's role in the dope trade in China in a speech which he made in January 1841. It is necessary to digress for a moment to deal with the famous infrastructure, the British opium trade in China, by establishing the Hong Kong and Shanghai Bank. The door was open for British imperialism at its worst to sweep through China. Let me stop there. And for you for comment, because I briefly mentioned uh, a few minutes ago about the Yale Order of Skull and Bones, and their involvement in the global opium trade, which we'll get to right after your comment. Please, please continue. Yes, uh, Pastor, um, if, if one looks at the history of Freemasonry in South Africa with uh, the Lodge of the Cape, um, the, so-called the Cape of Good Hope, the Lodge was established in 1773. And, uh, uh, of course, that also set the basis for the establishment of the Afrikaner Bond, because um, most of the members of the Afrikaner Bond, uh, which has had a number of name changes from the Afrikaner Bruder Bond to the Afrikaner Bond and back again, mm-hmm. uh, uh, of course, um, they have established themselves in all the major positions, in all the large corporations, businesses, etc., and it is amazing to see how many of these large corporations in South Africa have produced what is known as super Afrikaners. And of mm. course, these super Afrikaners have positioned themselves in globalist, uh, as globalist Edomites. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Magnemites, absolutely. Right. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be quoting now from this article over at jamesfetzer.org. The Order of Skull and Bones, 
everything you always wanted to know but were afraid to ask. And this is an article by Chris Milligan. The Secret Origins of Skull and Bones. The story begins at Yale, where three threads of American social history, espionage, drug smuggling, and uh, secret societies interwove into one. And they still do today, right? The CIA is the exactly. biggest dr- drug smuggler in the world. All right. Okay. Uh, after it was uh, started by Elihu Yale who was born near Boston, educated in London, and served with the, are you ready? Mm. British East India Company. Company. Correct. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Eventually becoming governor of Fort St. George, Madras, in 1687. Yeah, Madras, India. He amassed a great fortune from trade and returned to England in 1699. Yale became known as quite a philanthropist. Upon receiving a request from the collegiate school in Connecticut, he sent a donation and a gift of books. Drug money. Drug money. Yes. After subsequent bequests, Cotton Mather suggested the school be named Yale College in 1718. Of course, Cotton Mather had no idea of the drug connections of Mr. Yale. Back to you. Exactly the same way in which Cecil John Rhodes had acquired all his wealth. And mm-hmm. it's amazing how many of these he people become it. so. <laughs> yeah, right. How many of these people become so-called philanthropists? Right. But they they're not concerned about doing good to the people who need it. They concerned mm-hmm. about doing so-calledly doing good by gaining people under their control for manipulation of the masses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, another Yaley is Mr. Samuel Russell. In 1823, Samuel Russell established Russell & Company for the purpose of acquiring opium in Turkey and smuggling it to China. Russell & Company merged with the Perkins Syndicate in 1830 and became the primary American opium smuggler. And in those days, the American ships were the fastest in the world, so they could get between America and India in 10 days or less. Many of the great American and European fortunes were built on the China opium trade. Now, now we're going to connect some dots for you folks. One of the Russell and Company's chief of operations in Canton was Warren Delano Jr. Might you uh, surmise, Pastor Martins, who the subsequent yes, president of the United States was, a descendant of Mr. Exactly Warren Delano? Yeah. Exactly. Grandfather of Franklin Roosevelt. Other Russell partners included John Cleve Green, who financed Princeton, Abiel Lowe, who financed Columbia, Joseph Coolidge and the Perkins, Sturgis, and Forbes families. Have we connected enough dots for you? The super rich, what did you call them there in South Africa? The uh, su- super Afrikaners. Super Afrikaners, super Edomites. Yes. <laughs> the Overuden. Yes. Overuden. Yes. yes. Okay. Pastor. That was exactly the same uh, intent, or their intent, was the ban on alcohol, for example, so that they could establish the market and establish right. the monopoly. Center. Yes, um, you set up a monopoly, and that is also exactly what the Cape, the, the the Dutch East Indian Company did with mm-hmm. tobacco and opium to to um, Europe, and that yes. is why that is why the the uh, Edomite Kazarians. Uh, of the Dutch East Indian Company was so uh, all uh, right. keen to, estab- to establish the halfway station for the reparation of ships that uh, floundered off the uh, South African coast. Yes, yes, uh, yes. And be- because this happened so often they, that they decided one of the th- first things that they did was to establish a, a ship repair works mm-hmm. at Simonstown. Right, right. So we connected a few dots here of super wealthy families and, you know, the globalist governments, okay? Coolidge's son organized the United Fruit Company and uh, working for the Yankee dollar. (laughs) And his grandson, Archibald C. Coolidge, was a co-founder of the Council on Foreign Relations Taking us right back to Cecil Rhodes, don't you know? Yes. Mm. Exactly. Mm, 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 mm. That, wow. That was to 
two programmers ago. <laughs> yes. And so we've really mm-hmm. connected the dots between the super uh, Oberjuden operating in South Africa, robbing the Boer people of their wealth, and to the uh, Oberjuden here in America, robbing the American people of our wealth. Okay. Continuing here. William Huntington Russell, Samuel's cousin, studied in Germany from 1831 to 1832. Germany was a hotbed of new ideas, mainly created by Jews, communism. The scientific method was being applied in all forms of human behavior. Prussia, which blamed the defeat of its forces by Napoleon in 1806 on soldiers only thinking about themselves in the stress of battle, took the principles set forth by John Locke and Jean Rousseau and created a new educational system. Johann Fichte, in his address to the German people, declared that the children would be taken over by the state and told what to think and how to think it. George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel took over Fichte's chair at the University of Berlin in 1817 and was a professor there until his death in 1831. Hegel was the culmination of the German idealistic philosophy school of Immanuel Kant, However, all of this was t- picked up by the Jews and turned into a globalist government a la communism, Glo- globalist yeah. communism financed by globalist Jew bankers. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also amazing. It's also amazing how the first thing that they, um, when, when Jews take control of a country, how they change their education system mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. suit their... Uh, actually, to to provide them with a foundation for the laying of the uh, what I would call the uh, uh, the the uh, 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 yeast of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So the uh, the lies of the Pharisees, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Uh, Behold the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. The leaven. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. So mm-hmm. now we see the, the connection between the British royalty, their Jewish overlords, because the Jews had been overlords of Britain you know, already by, by the time of Lord Pal- Pal- Palmerston. 1865, that's, by the way, that's the year that our American Civil War ended. Lord Palmerston financed the North... Uh, and uh, the French Rothschilds financed the South, okay? And in the Civil War, both sides being financed by the Rothschilds, okay? Yeah. So, uh, so we see that uh, British imperialism w- was beginning to rear its ugly head, and another Jew uh, by the name of, uh, Isra- uh, uh, what's his name? Benjamin Disraeli, with a D in front of the I. Benjamin yes, Disraeli was the father of British imperialism, another Jew. Yeah. Okay. And of, and of course, uh, Benjamin Disraeli and um, Young Smuts were very close friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you Remember go. Remember we uh, spoke about that? Yes. Yes, yes. They and some people say... Young Smuts. And some people say that Benjamin Disraeli was intimate with uh, Queen Victoria, too. But I haven't done any research on that. If that's the yeah. case, shame on her. Okay, so and, and, uh, and she was also a German, by the way, because <laughs> uh, Brit- Britain has been ruled by Germans and Jews now since the early 1700s. Okay, even King George was a German. Yeah. Okay. But uh, one one must also remember that Germany, even though it was controlled by Israelites initially, it was inundated by Jews. Right. Jewish bankers, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, the Rothschilds set up shop in Frankfurt. Yes, okay. So he continues, Similarly, by establishing what was called suzerainty over the Boer Republics, the British showed that the imperialistic lesson they had learned in China could be equally profitably applied in South Africa. Only this time it was gold, not opium, which was the rich prize to be captured. Let none imagine that the British fought a gentlemanly war against the Boers. In fact, the Boers, rough-hewn as they were, were the ones who displayed most of the old world courtesy toward their adversaries, as we shall see. I say this because at the time the war was promoted by the British, they enjoyed a high reputation as a nation of gentlemen of good conduct and sportsmanship, a reputation richly deserved as events in South Africa showed all too clearly. Well, but that's over. 
you know, when the Jews took control of uh, the British government, the gentlemanly nature of Britain declined and is, is mm. largely a myth today. Okay. So, oh, really, with the concentration camps, it was oh, really yeah. mm-hmm. decimated. In fact, the whole British uh, image was decimated, and I have reason to believe that uh, part of the reason of the de- demise of the British Empire was because of what they did, the atrocities that they uh, permeated um, against the Boers at the at the demand of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners. Right, right. Yeah, and it brings up here, the initial onslaught against the Boers took place a few years earlier in which the British were soundly defeated. The place was Majuba. Now, our listeners may recall yeah. that we did a special show on the Battle of Majuba uh, last February. On the 27th. Yes. Yeah, okay, be, and because it's almost as big a celebration as the Battle of Blood River, but this yeah. was uh, 1881. Earlier, the British had annexed the Transvaal, an arbitrary action without legal standing. The Boers, who had come thousands of miles through a countryside which was anything but hospitable, fought back, and at Majuba, under the leadership of the great Boer patriot Paul Kruger, the Krugerrand is named after him, and so is the National Park, soundly defeated the British. This ought to have acted as a warning to the British imperialistic designs, but what does this matter to the Rothschilds? They're simply sacrificing British soldiers, not related to the, their, their Jewish people, and uh, to kill uh, German Boer people, neither one of whom they have any love for, and let them fight it out, and then uh, eventually they take over South Africa. Isn't that how it yeah. worked out? Yeah. Well, b- b- being the... With the British Empire being the uh, mercenaries that were hired by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, of course, we're still paying today because all the mines and the uh, wealth of the South African economy is still controlled by uh, the Jews. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. During the reign of Queen Victoria, uh, 1837 to 1901, Britain was at the height of its imperial power. No nation dared cross the British monarch. Even the Germans feared the lady Paul Kruger called Kvai Vru, an angry lady. But she was an angry German lady. <laughs> Thus, she, her native language was German, not English. Thus, Majuba was an insult to be wiped off the record. But we must look behind the scenes to see who was responsible. The ordinary British citizen knew little of the backroom politics which has sent its men off to fight a war in faraway South Africa. Then, as now, propaganda played the leading role. The big drum of patriotism was banged. However, patriotism was not an issue, but outright greed by the Jews certainly was. Mm. Disregarding the warning of Majuba, the British were told that their military machine would crush the citizen army of the Boer farmers and return triumphant to the shores of England in a matter of a few weeks. And yeah, you mentioned... Now, was the Jameson raid involved in this? Uh, it was a propaganda, a staged act of violence blamed on the Boer people so to justify British intervention. Well, Pastor, uh, what happened the, in 1880, um, on the 16th of December, that was the start of the uh, first um, Cape Dutch Afrikaners war in which they uh, utilized the mercenaries of the British, mm-hmm. uh, the British Empire. Right. Um, the the Jamison raid was in 1896, which was 16, ah. 16 years later on, but it was orchestrated and um, organized and orchestrated in cohesion with the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, because Onse um, uh, Jan Hofmeyer, one of the the perpetrators of this violence against the Boers. Uh, his brother, who was a Dutch Reformed minister and uh, who uh, became uh, evicted out of his congregation and also out of his, he, he, he was taken off the, the pulpit because of his uh, uh, excursions mm. with ladies in his, in his uh, uh, assembly. So yeah. he then became available and because of the, the Hofmeyer family being such close friends with Cecil John Rhodes. He became mm-hmm. one of Cecil John Rhodes' uh, cohesives. And, okay. Uh, and uh, he orchestrated... <laughs> right. 
he orchestrated the uh, Jamison invasion out of Botswana land, which was wow. which is today known as Botswana. Mm-hmm. But this Onse Jan Hofmeyer, he sent his best wishes, etc., and his and his um, well fairings right. to the the organizers and the leaders of the Jamison invasion. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he also sent a message, a cablegram he sent to Paul Kruger, President Paul Kruger, telling President Paul Kruger of this imminent invasion from Bichuana land. Right. So, the, so, so this, this scoundrel, this mole, Mm-hmm. Actually played both directions, and right. so he was double a, agent. Mm-hmm. Double agent, and um, in in that, uh, it, it made him a very dangerous person because he he would actually visit Paul Kruger and he would uh, 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 advertise or, or market his Afrikaner bond to the Boers, and many Boers mm. joined the Afrikaner right. bond. Speaking yeah. of themselves as Afrikaners, because they uh, had become part and parcel of this organization, who was to stand well, together yeah. in the event of an invasion. Okay, what we see here is that Americans were caught in the web of the opium trade, which was begun by the Rothschilds. Okay, yeah. So here's what here's how they do it: they inveigle uh, otherwise, you know. Uh, nationals of other countries, in this case it would be uh, the Boer Republics, uh, was Hofmeier yeah. uh, a, a Transvaal or Orange Free State? Uh, Natal? No, he, was, he, he was a Cape Dutch Afrikaner. Oh, oh, okay. So he wasn't even a Boer. Hofmeier no, he was wasn't a, a Boer. Oh, okay. So, and anyway, they make these business alliances which cause these businesses to become traitors to their own country on behalf of the global opium market. And in this case, well, well, well go ahead. Well, the, the, the Afrikaner Bond was um, founded even prior to the uh, First Anglo-Boer War. Okay. And this became the vehicle whereby which the Cape Dutch Afrikaners had propagated the lies and the deceptions about the Boers instigating Britain or attempting to instigate Britain to come and annex the Boer republics. Now, the Boers did not know this, but the Boers were lured into this Cape, or this Afrikaner bond um, organization. Uh, and they they firmly, they even spoke to ab- about themselves as Afrikaners. If you can recall, uh, we, we visited General Mani Maritz's son, uh, Uncle Mani Maritz. Mm-hmm. Can you recall when oh, you visited now, yes. now, even General Mani Maritz, in spite of the fact that he was a prominent and a well-known Boer general, and uh, even he spoke about himself uh, as an Afrikaner. Okay. So you can see that there was a total mind change about being an Afrikaner, and they didn't know that they were stepping into the lion's den right. by, becoming, by, by submitting and making... Uh, 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 this um, uh, uh, adjustment, uh, what change, it? change. Uh, Not uh, the adjustment uh, or the change, but making this bond with the right. Dutch Afrikaners. Be- because Hofmeyer had it had marketed his Afrikaner bond on the basis that yeah. he, he stated that the British were coming to steal our land. Right. We, we should stand together. We should stand together as one man uh, in mm-hmm. this in this particular propagation of this uh, uh, Afrikaner right. bond, he stated if the British would come and uh, attack one of us, we stand together. But pr- just prior, a few days before the um, Jan Smuts mm-hmm. had declared the war against the British because they had refused to meet with the, the, this ultimatum. Right. Of course, that was all orchestrated. Yes. Uh, yeah, in the same way, uh, our American Civil War, we had Freemasons in the South and Freemasons in the North. And they controlled yeah, and they, Yeah, and they ran the war. And uh, if a Freemason in the North, Northern Army, was captured by the South, he would be treated especially well by the Freemasons in the South and vice versa. 
Exactly. And, and um, uh, this Onse Jan Hofmeier, he, uh, w- what, what he did just before the announcement or just before the declaration of the war, because the Boers declared the war because the British uh, refused uh, to meet the conditions of the ultimatum that was set to them. Mm-hmm. And Onse Jan Hofmeier then went to Molnar and uh, demanded from Molnar to call out a military or a, a uh, what do you call it, a military law, martial law. Okay. And in this martial law declaration, it was stated that not one Cape Dutch Afrikaner was permitted to join the Boers in the war against the British. Wow. They, 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 they wanted mm. to to display mm. the, the as if the Cape Dutch right. were totally unassociated. Right. But of course, there were more than fifty thousand Cape Dutch Afrikaners that received a a, a recognition as soldiers of the Queen. More than mm. fifty thousand. So there were wow. more than fifty thousand Cape Dutch Afrikaners that had become soldiers of the Queen in the battle against the Boers. Right. Now, did not these same Cape Dutch Afrikaners take over the farms and the property and equipment yes. of the dead Boer soldiers, right? Isn't that what they not did? Just the, the, not just the dead Boer uh, soldiers. That you must remember that they also um, executed what was initiated by one of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, the Scorched Earth Policy. So oh, boy. More than 40 more than 42 like general sheridan sheridan marching to atlanta burning everything in sight now wow more than 42000 boer homesteads were burned to the well mm. were burned to ashes right at the same time some of these cape dutch afrikaners would actually lay claim to the uh, the cattle and the livestock of the boers and they mm. would go and sell them to the british garrisons mhm so you wow. can see that this was orchestrated. Orchestrated, totally orchestrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Over yeah. and above that, after the, the unification of the four provinces or the Boer republics into this uh, Babylonian Union of South Africa, thousands upon thousands of Boers were disowned from their farms, mm-hmm. put off their farms without compensation, and those farms were then given to the Cape Dutch Afrikaners who participated actively in the war. In other words, they were given these farms. The Boers were put off the farms. The Cape mm-hmm. Dutch Afrikaners got, uh, got them. Were, took over. The British, Britain paid an, 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 uh, what was called a, uh, a compensation to the Boers, uh, or supposedly to the Boers, to the amount of three million pounds sterling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That three million pounds was paid over to the Union government. This union government was controlled by a Cape Dutch Afrikaner or two Cape Dutch Afrikaners uh, known as Jan Smuts and Louis Boerta. Wow. And that, that compensation that uh, the Britain had paid uh, mm-hmm. instead went of, back to their to operatives. The, it went to their well, operatives, uh, not well, to the poor people. It was used to, to transport the Cape Dutch Afrikaners and settled them on the farms that they had been taken away from the Boers. Wow. wow. And that was part okay. of the reason why the Boers had right. started the 1914 rebellion. Okay, I need to make a comment here. If anybody listening does not understand at this point from what Pastor Martins has just declared, that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners are, have always been the worst enemies of the Boer people, and there's no indication yeah. that they have become any friendlier to the Boer people today, that all of these friendly machinations uh, acting on so supposedly on behalf of the Boer people by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners is nothing but deceit. Uh, they have been stabbed, the Boers have been stabbed in the back numerous times by these uh, Afrikaners, and uh, yeah. the Boer people need to understand who their real enemies are. And, Absolutely. Uh, and the Afrikaners are not their friends. Back to you. Uh, Pastor, there's so much that can be said about that, but that uh, th- that particular thing that they did with the two wars, they, it, it was a definite thing. They wanted to establish or they wanted to annihilate the Boers. That was the first mm-hmm. uh, option. That is why they called for a second war when the, the Boers had beaten off the 
the the um, mercenaries, the British Empire mercenaries of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners in the First Anglo Boer War. It was a set thing. They wanted a war against the Boers for the purpose of eradicating the Boers. There's a, yes. a, a conspiracy that they conspired against the Boers. I've got it as about 160 years ago. That takes us into the second part of the 1860s. Now, they mm-hmm. conspired to annihilate the Boers, remove the Boers. Of course, it was part and parcel of the fact that they... Boers are the descendants of the house of Jacob and the Edomites being the house of Esau. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Esau spirit, this Esau um, hatred against the Jacob, uh, the, the, the descendants of the house of Jacob. Right. And that has been a factor throughout. Now, That's right. Um, it still is today Boers, in a global war of the Jews right against us. Up, yes, go ahead. Right up to this day, e- even to this day, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners are claiming the Boers history as if it is their own. In fact, they were in the making of the Boers absolute annihilation. Annihilation. They were, yeah, they the, were partners. Annihilation of the, the Boers and the Boers women and children. Yes. I mean, the girls of it as young, the Boer children as young as 10 years old were raped uh, by these Cape Dutch Afrikaners and the empire. And the blacks, um, the, the blacks, the, the blacks that were allied with the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, were also invited yes. to rape the Boer women and children. Exactly. Yeah. Now, yeah. Some, some, something else about this is that uh, today the Cape Dutch Afrikaners claim, and it can be seen on the UNPO pages as well, they claim that the uh, Afrikaners uh, started off with a great trek. The Afrikaners established the Boer Republics. The Afrikaners <laughs> bat- fought the Battle of Blood River. Yeah. And the Afrikaners this and the Afrikaners that and the Afrikaners. Uh, all the Boer historical sites have been under the control since the subjugation of the Boers to the Cape Dutch Afrikaners by the British mercenaries that they paid and they've been paying uh, the British Empire or they they still paying the the Jews with the with the uh, diamonds and the gold and the platinum and the iron and the manganese and the chromium of the Boer republics. In other words, it is the spoils of the war has all been going to the Edomite Jews. Right. And of course, it's a lot of kickback to the Cape Cape okay. Dutch Afrikaners. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We have about seven minutes left. I want to uh, connect some more dots here for people because this is very important information. War is costly. This was no less true in 1899 than it is today. The money to prosecute the war against the Boer rebels was to come from the swollen coffers of the opium traders, which meant that some of the most famous and noble names of England would be involved. The opium trade had made millions for the Keswicks, the Jardine Mathesons, the Bareens, and the Sutherlands. The, name, the same names featured prominently in the fortunes made through slave trading in the U.S. prior to the war between the states. The Sutherland family was one of the largest slave traders in the Americas, and you can add to the list the Laymans and the Rothschilds who entered the U.S. scene via the slave trade. As in the case of the opium war against China, the willingness of Her Majesty's government to use all of its resources to crush the Boers up to and including full-scale war to support its false claims to the Transvaal gold was evident at an early stage of the conspiracy. As in the case of the war on China, the British used ethnic origin and background as a weapon to promote unrest in the independent Boer republics of Transvaal and the Orange Free State, as you just described, by having yes. the Cape Dutch pretend to be the friends of the Boers and then stab them in the back when the time was right. Over to you for comment. Yeah. Yes, Pastor, and that has been going on ever since. In fact, um, the, Boers, uh, the Boers being Republican, uh, they have um, they've been lured, that, or they are continuously being lured into every Cape Dutch Afrikaner organization, whether mm-hmm. it be a political party. Uh, and uh, something that must also be said is that with the Cape Dutch Afrikaners political parties, it's amazing um, the the how they they hope or they 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 uh, they are hoping to establish this confidence with the Boers. They are hoping to establish this confidence with the Boers 
that the Boers should join them because the only way in which we can survive as whites, two and a half million whites, uh, the only way in which they can survive against about 48 million blacks is by joining together. Mm-hmm. And my feeling is, and I've propagated this over the past five years, the only way that the Boers can find their own uh, or their own identity, well, can survive, the only way in which they can regain their freedom is by releasing themselves from the escaped Dutch Africa. Come out of Babylon. Uh, Come out of Babylon. Yeah. Come out of Egypt. I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've paralleled this, this whole action of mine to Moses. Uh, demanding from the Pharaoh that the people should be set free. Yes. However, these Cape Dutch Afrikaners, I, uh, I, I draw the parallel with the Egyptians or the way in which the, the uh, if, as if the Israelites would invite the Egyptians also, <laughs> to, the, right. the, also to do the Passover right. uh, uh, sac- sacrifice in mm-hmm. order for them to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's absolutely amazing how, well uh, yeah the, this is how cunning the Jews are this is really how cunning they are by setting all these absolutely. infiltrators in among the Boer people and the, the underminers they subversive in every manner which they can find yeah. uh, whether it be in the in the way in which the and, and pastor the, the good news is that so many of the Boers are busy rediscovering their own heritage, rediscovering mm-hmm. their own identity, waking rediscovering up. absolutely, yes. and they breaking with with the churches. It's amazing how the Boers are busy breaking with uh, the bondages of the churches that they have been subjugated to it since the arrival in the days of Jan Smuts. I mean, uh, Jan van der Riebien. Remember, we spoke about yeah. it last week. I mentioned to you. Uh, the the, um, the Freeburgers on their arrival, of course, they weren't Freeburgers when they arrived. They had to work for the Dutch East Indian Company for a period of time as part of their yeah. uh, passage. And the uh, once they achieved or once they have so-calledly claimed their slate with the Dutch East Indian Company, they could then uh, become uh, Freeburgers. And the way in which these free burgers were treated by the, the, the Dutch East Indian Company and even by Jan uh, van Riebeel was that if they became this or if they fell in discontent with the Dutch East Indian Company, that they were even crucified upside down. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's very clear that the, the Dutch East Indian Company, as part and parcel of the uh, the Reformation, the, the the Church Reformation, because they one of the first things they set up was a Dutch Reformed Church. Um, the 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 Freeburgers were not given their identity or their the right to the Freeburger status without becoming members of the Dutch Reformed Church. Yes. So they yes. were being rushed to the churches. The uh, all part and parcel of the Boers being robbed of the, the true identity as Israelites. Mm-hmm. So here we have Queen Victoria, a German national, doing her best to destroy her German kinsmen in South Africa, the Boer people. Yes, absolutely. This, yeah, this is what Jewish money accomplishes. But I, is, I, I read, or I can't remember whether I heard the recording or whether I read the recording um, of, of uh, Queen Victoria in a public speech wherein she mentioned about the Anglo-Boer War. And she clearly stated, she said, this is not a war that we wanted to fight. Hmm. And she continued with the speech. In other words, basically she was saying that they were forced into this war. Mm-hmm. Of course, they were forced by Maneuvered. the of, uh, yeah. of, of the... the um, Conspiracy between the Cape Dutch Afrikaners yeah. along with Cecil John Rhodes and the Rothschilds. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, we'll pick this story up next week. This is getting very interesting. Love how both of these articles we quoted from connected all the dots. All the dots absolutely. of the super rich of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, the Jews, and, of course, the super rich Americans and British all involved yeah. in this subterfuge. Okay, folks, thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. We'll see you next time. Thank you.